You are listening to the Indiana Lifestyles Podcast with your hosts, Aaron Lottrell, Jason Brown, and Kendra Hurt. Join us for a real take on real estate, community events, and the Hoosier lifestyle. Yeah, let's try this again. Spontaneity, maybe not. Spontaneity is really good, and I'm all good for spontaneity, but if you're going to do it, shouldn't you at least announce the people by the right name? Kendra and I are not married. <laughs> it, it hasn't. That would be news to her husband. It would be news to my wife, and it would probably be news that, you know, I should we have We wouldn't made, want out. I, I well, should be made aware of if not, that's the case. And not only that, I think the podcast is probably the last place to announce it. Probably. <laughs> probably. probably not the way anyone should find out. Uh, I don't know that I should do the introductions again, but this is Aaron Luttrell. I'm here with Kendra Hurt and Jason Brown. Uh, messed it up the last time. <laughs> this is the Indiana Lifestyles podcast. Uh, we're, we're back after the new year, after starting off, kicking off the new year with work and everything else. How's, how's it going, guys? It's going well. How about you, Jason? I can't complain at all. <laughs> I love this time of year. I, I do not enjoy the snow and the cold and the ice and everything else. But other than that, this time of year is when I reset. This is when I start. I start to sit down. I look at my goals. This isn't just personal or professional. This includes personal. This is, you know, if if I've fallen off my fitness track, if there's something around the house I need or want to get done, if there's whatever. This is the time of year that everybody sort of takes and says, hey, I'm going to reset and move forward. So you're talking about setting goals. Obviously, setting goals. New Year's resolutions, big thing at the beginning of the year. But New Year's resolutions, you know, what, 80% of them that are set don't end up actually going through? Two years ago, mine did. I'm still going on it. Two years strong. Kendra, how many years on yours? One. Year One in on year. yours. I'm starting over again <laughs> for the fourth year in a row. You'll have that. I did get a gym membership this year for my big resolution, which is to drop some weight. So... Well, I could have I mean, just gifted mine to you. I asked you to. You told me no. <laughs> For those that don't know, that's what we're talking about. Two years ago, I set out to drop a few pounds, and I've managed to keep it off for two years. Kendra's a solid year in. Yep. Solid. So, yeah. doing good there. Doing good. Kind of along those lines. What did we do this week, guys? Company kickoff celebration this week. 2017 uh, was a great year. I'm kind of nervous about going into 2018. What, you don't think you're going to get to walk up front and collect as many awards <laughs> next year? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be real honest. The, name, the number of times I heard Kendra Hurt yesterday was a little bit astounding. She did. Every she did. award. It was always followed agent. by the Browns. It was always followed by the Browns. I am fortunate enough to be sitting here in a room with the two top producers of our office for 2017. Kendra Hurt as an individual without an assistant. And then obviously Jason, uh, one of the team leads for the highest producing team in our office for units last year. Uh, Fantastic year for both you guys. Thank you. Thank I enjoyed. You. Had a good time. Yeah, it was a good year. So in addition to the kickoff and celebration of whatever, what everybody accomplished last year, obviously we also had a presentation with uh, Mr. Tony Love from Buffini and Company talking about ways to plan for the next year, not just for business, but also for, you know, kind of setting goals for your life, your personal life, your fitness, everything else. So I thought maybe this uh, episode we talk a little bit about what we need to do for setting goals for 2018, a little bit on fitness, debt, your home. Maybe it's time to sell a home. Maybe you want to buy something for the first time this year. What do you think about that? I'm good with that. Does anybody did anybody take notes yesterday when Tony was talking? <laughs> I took a I lot did, of notes. I did take notes. I, I, I took some notes too. What are some of the things that that what, what's the first big thing? Do we all remember the first thing we learned yesterday? The correct pronunciation of love. <laughs> we, we did in fact learn that. Okay, so the next thing we learned after the correct pronunciation of Tony's I distinctly of remember it life, being why. That's kind of what yeah. that's that's what I remembered was why. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
when we talk about whys, what are we talking about here? We're talking about why this item or this issue or whatever it is you're resolving to do, what's your driving force? What makes you want to do this? We talked about goal setting, short-term, mid-term, long-term, and the time frames that kind of need to follow and well, follow that. Um, short-term goals, what are we talking? 30 days. 30 days. 30 days. 30 days. Yeah. So Those are kind of like the long short-term goals. You know, some people even do like 10-day, 20-day, kind of 30-day hey, goals. Hey, I'm, I'm a one-dayer too. I mean, I have what I just need to get done for today. So. <laughs> That's called a task list. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. My task list is a very, very moving target. At the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, that can wait till tomorrow. Yeah. yeah now, that can see, go. it dictates my mood when I get home at night depending on how many things I got crossed off. I feel well, like a failure if I haven't gotten 80% of it crossed I off. I agree. I agree. But you know, I think... But I that, always go back and write something on it so I feel better marking something else off. Absolutely. <laughs> but here's here's the thing that I will say. Honestly, where I start to feel like a failure or that I'm not doing enough or I haven't done enough is if at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going, wow, I'm, I'm really done for the day. Guess what? That means I didn't have enough to do today. It means I need to get something else on the list. Yeah. I didn't yeah. I didn't try hard enough. I don't have that problem anymore. Um, I find that the more stuff I take on, the bigger and bigger my task list gets every day and the less I actually accomplish. I have more important things that I have to take care of and I, I still get those knocked out, but I carry over way more stuff on a daily basis than I used to. Hmm. I do as well, but I always, I prioritize, I use a numbering system and I think everybody does this a little differently. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I know there's people in our office and in our company that still believe in the old day timer or the, the planning book that you write it in and cross it out. Got one right here, right there. Aaron's got his with him right. Here's mine. Um, it's made by Apple. They put a new model out every year. It syncs directly with my computer, my, my, my tablet, everything. Um, so it's called calendar. It's on, it's on iPhone, <laughs> comes standard with each one. Um, and I number them. You know, the absolute, this has to happen today. These are my inspection deadlines. These are my um, price changes. Whatever whatever my business needs, my direct daily business needs are, those are always one and two. Um, by the end of it, when I'm no longer even numbering anymore, that's the things that if I don't get to it today, it's not the end of the world. Um, I actually still have a number two on my list for today. And at the time of day it is, it's really a little late in the day to be a number two, but I promise mortgage payment and all my other bills, I have every intention of paying you tonight, um, which still puts you. You have until 1159. Well, they're not actually really due today. I I pay bills due on the first on the 15th, which, okay, fine. It's the 17th, but (laughs) I still have till the first, but close enough. It's been moved the last two days. Hey, you know, that's why it's a two, not a that's one. Right. That's why it's a two. So, uh, so we talked about daily stuff. How about those short-term goals more on that 30 day timeline, like setting your stuff up, kind of looking at it a month out of time at a time. What do you, what do you guys focus on monthly that, that you would say is your short-term kind of goals that you work on? Short-term, um, again, are we talking personal, professional? Let's let's take it off of us for a minute. Let's 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 just go out there with the what I'm going to call the the three most commons. Um, the the three most common things that I think are probably resolutions on a lot of them are going to be fitness, better eating, weight loss, whatever. That always seems to be high on the on the the annual list. Um, debt reduction, that's another one you always see a lot of. Mm-hmm. And then where it relates back to us is buying or selling or both uh, a piece of real estate. So I think when you speak in terms of short term, 
Fitness, first 30 days is always the hardest. I mean, I did it. I did it two years ago, and I've managed to successfully keep it off. Um, the biggest thing for me has been routine. Make it a routine. It's a. It's the same. It's just as routine as brushing my teeth daily. It's just as routine as taking a shower daily. If, if I know that today is cardio day or a lift day or whatever – it's on my schedule. Um, I find that if I actually plan for it, it, it'll get accomplished. It's if it's in my schedule, we can take this off of this for just a second and put it back to a a business task. Um, I know somebody may not be in real estate or whatever, but in real estate, marketing is a big thing that seems to slip in our business. Um, and marketing isn't just, Oh, Hey, I need to get this listing up or Oh, Hey, I need to get it on this ad turned in or whatever. Marketing is self-promotion. Marketing is reaching out, touching base with old clients. Marketing is, you know, sitting down, writing personal notes or whatever. I have to schedule that in my schedule. Um, and I schedule that out, you know, a couple, couple of hours, a couple of days per week. That time is allocated for that. And I'm going to be honest, that is as firm of a, a, of a section of my personal planner as is a showing or a listing appointment. I don't move those. Right. I, I've told people before, um, I, I'm a certified mentor with Buffini and Company doing some coaching and helping mentor some agents and stuff. And that that's one thing that Jason just mentioned that I kind of utilize when I'm talking to people. I'm like, you know, you would not turn down a showing or cancel a showing if you already had that time in your calendar for a client for just, I don't feel like doing it today. As you're turning down those lead generation opportunities, you're basically turning your back on appointments that you've set with yourself and with the people that you need to touch base with. So that, that for me is a big thing that I have to do that I remind myself every month. This is the number of people that you got to contact. This is the number of people you got to see and do that kind of stuff. And reining that back in to say fitness. If somebody's goal is, Hey, I'm going to do something to improve my fitness this year. Then you know what? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday. I don't care. Put it in your calendar on your lunch. Instead of going and grabbing that Big Mac and fry, Hit, hit your gym, hit a cardio, hit, hit a treadmill, do whatever. Put Kendra shaking her head. No, I know. <laughs> Doesn't matter how many hundred dollar bills we hang. She still has not set foot in the gym. But then once you start to become accustomed to it, that, that 30 days in at that 30 day point, it starts to become routine. Uh, people ask me all the time, how, how have you successfully kept the weight off? Because I made it a routine. I made it just a, an everyday common occurrence of my life. So you get through those short term, you get through those routines, then we got to go to midterm goals. How long are we looking at for midterm? 12 months, 6, 12 months. I'll say 6 to 12. Um, I, I think, again, everybody's, what what the, what their reason or their resolution may be um, determines the time. Let's take debt. Let's throw debt into this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think debt reduction is one of those things. You're you're probably not going to get done in 30 days. Uh, if you have an amount of debt that you have to to use the term reduction for or elimination, y- you would have already done it if you could do it in 30 days. Right. So this the size of the debt I think plays a big part in the amount of time needed. And then truly sitting down and looking at it and saying, okay, um, I mean, if we're talking $50,000 worth of student loans, you're not getting that done in 12 months either. But what you can do in the short term is make a plan. What you can do in the midterm is implement the plan and let that plan start to feel, make modifications to that plan. Let it start to soak in and become routine. Well, the plan is actually the thing that I think a lot of people kind of 
fail on, in my opinion. And I, I've been guilty of this myself. I set this goal. I'm like, this is what I want to accomplish. And then I go out and I do a whole bunch of different stuff. And I'm like, ah, I'm not, I'm not hitting my goal. What did I do wrong? I didn't sit down and put a plan of action together. And I think that's what really uh, is lacking in a lot of people's opinion when they're going through their, their midterm stuff. But I think also having something that you measure and I think some people who set goals and who um, are really determined at getting those goals, you know, achieving those goals, I think sometimes is the goal more important than tracking what you're doing and like maybe even making adjustments. And I never want to be so rigid that I can't allow for adjustments. To I, I don't think in any goal planning, whether we're talking maybe not so much in short term, because short term, the, the plan should be, in fact, short. Right. Hence, hence short term. Right. But when you start talking mid and long term, I think um, being a little fluid, being able to make adjustments is a big part of it. it, it let's keep it with that reduction. If you set out and you say, I'm going to pay an additional $150 on this debt every month, and then you find out three months in, you know what? I could probably do 250 Make the adjustment. All you're going to do is help you meet your goal sooner. But at the same point in time, if setting the $150 debt reduction goal is too lofty and what it now now what it's doing is it's it's impeding on your finances or it's causing you right. worse yet to take on new debt um then then back it off a little bit right you know back it down to 90 back it down to 100 whatever you got to do yeah. so i agree with you looking at yeah. the big picture and and you said another key word there tracking yeah. right i'm very big on tracking i'm very big on where am i in my overall progress I hate to keep going back to weight loss. You can set, but but that's the one that's most prevalent for me. Um, you can set a goal, and and I found myself in the beginning getting on the scale every day, and it's like this is silly. Why? I mean, did I really think I lost a half a person overnight? It, it, no. <laughs> but it started every day, and then it's like okay, now it's once a week. I'm going to be honest. I I no longer measure my weight loss by what that scale says, because I'll be, I bet I don't step on it once a month anymore. I measure it by how well these 34 pants fit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a physical measurable attribute it right is. there. It's measurable. That, that's, that's the best way to do and it. And I just want to point out just because we, we had a similar goal. We both achieved it very differently. Completely. Differently. And so don't be, there's no one way. Exactly. Exactly. There's no one way and don't be, and, and I think agents do this a lot and I'm sure there's other industries that do. You want to compare yourself to the person in your cubicle next to you or the person in the office next to you. And so yours may look different than other people's. Right. I mean, if you take our businesses just sitting in this room and how we map them out every year, they look different. I mean, mine doesn't look like Aaron's. Aaron's doesn't necessarily look like Jason's. And so I think it's okay to be different. It's yeah. always that's always kind of been my theme. It's okay to be a little bit different, but as no, long as you're not Kim, <laughs> you gotta be kidding. I right? know, I know, uh, but but I'm still. I, I like to achieve my goals. I see it as failure if I don't. Um, like I said, I mean, even just a to do list, a daily to to do list, I see as failure if I don't get all of them marked off. So. Well, again, you you pointed out you and I had a similar situation we both we both wanted to do something from a weight perspective 
you never even you bought a gym membership that you never used. Oh, I bought the bit gym membership like five years ago with no intention of ever walking in. I I did a few times. Didn't it didn't do anything for me? Your actual resolution to I'm going to lose X pounds. You did not use a uh-uh. gym to accomplish I it. Did not. Did you use any level of change in your physical activity to accomplish it? No physical activity. No physical activity. <laughs> Done 100% with nutrition. Correct. I did a heavy combination of both nutrition and physical activity, but I'm nowhere near as disciplined as Kendra, and I knew there was no possible way that I could swear off chocolate cake forever. There you go. That's what you got to touch on that people need to pay attention to. When you're making your plan, you have to know yourself oh, and yeah. know what your strengths are and play to your strengths. You know, in, in our society, we we too often kind of focus on the stuff that we're not good at, and we try to fix the things that we're not good at as opposed to finding what we are really freaking good at and focusing on that and doubling down on your strengths to get it done the way that works best for you. But I think the key that the similarity is routine. I'm just as routine with my eating as you are with your working out. So absolutely. I mean, we've, we've, we've all gone to lunch together on numerous occasions. And and I'm pretty sure Aaron and Jason can probably order for me now. (laughs) (laughs) At least at a couple of places. I'm like, just go ahead, have a seat. I'll, I'll get it ordered. I know what you're having. More than a couple, pretty much everyone. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't there a local eatery that we can actually walk in and I can just order the Kendra and they'll know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Maybe. I mean, I I was talking your salad with no blue cheese, but the (laughs) buffalo. (laughs) Buffalo salad, but it's got to be the grilled chicken buffalo. Yeah, the grilled chicken. I want the buffalo buffalo. on it. I just want a grilled chicken. So for those of you who don't know, not a sponsor, but Zaxby's here in Newburgh, Indiana. We walk in, we go order the Kendra, they get it right every time. (laughs) They know what exactly we're after. (laughs) Long term, uh, long term goals. We're talking. Used to be what ten years, five, ten oh, years, yeah. three years. Three. This day and age, you got to keep them shorter than that you, because you everything go, changes so quick. You go anything longer than three years, it is a goal you're destined to not meet. I want to talk about that for a second. Is not reaching a goal failure? Not necessarily. De- depending on depending on how you look at it, K- Kendra's got a different opinion. I can see. Oh, it. I don't I know that it it's different. I, I well, it, it's different because it's me, uh, but. Yeah, it completely depends because again, I think for so long for me, I didn't, I didn't measure my, my, I didn't track and I didn't measure. So it was failure if I didn't meet that goal. But I think you, and we just talked about this, celebrate the little victories along the way. Right. And then it doesn't feel like such a disappointment when you don't make the big goal. Let me give you an example though. We'll we'll use my weight loss. I set out day one and I set a number. Mm -hmm. I got so concerned with, I'm going to lose 100 pounds. Now you guys knew me before I I lost weight. A hundred pounds is a lot of weight. That's a, that's, that's there. That's a person, Mm -hmm. an an average size person, a small average size person, but a person. Once I got to 80, in all honesty, I didn't, I didn't like my the look I had anymore. I thought I started to look maybe too small. Um, it, not reaching the hundred, I did ultimately get there. And then when I got there, I'm like, this is too small. This is, and I was doing it all with, like you said, nutrition. And at that time, I wasn't lifting weight at all. I was merely doing cardio. I became quote unquote skinny. 
my body frame doesn't really support skinny very well. I don't look good skinny. As a matter of fact, I had numerous people, I think, whispering behind my back, was I sick? You know, right. was is something wrong with Jason? Is he terminal? I mean, what's going on? He's he. I didn't look well. I think where I am now, which is about 20 pounds off of that 100 loss, so a, a net 80, but I'm actually in a smaller pant size. I'm in smaller shirts. I'm, I'm a smaller version 25 pounds up than I even was at 100 it's the way it's configured so sometimes setting a goal again I think it depends on what we're talking about here debt reduction if your goal was to terminate $15,000 in debt in 12 months and you're at 13,300 should you consider that a failure Mm-mm. absolutely not well here's the other thing let's talk business okay my whole thing we talked about BHAGs yesterday mm-hmm. in our presentation they carry B- audacious goals yeah the truth is a goal should stretch you, should challenge you, mm-hmm. because if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. So and it's not a goal. If it's something you know you can do. Exactly. Then it becomes just a to-do list, and it's not even actually something that you're achieving at that point. It's just, hey, I knocked something off that I knew I could do anyways. My thing is, if I, I set a goal last year to increase my business by a big number. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I've been fortunate enough to have pretty large jumps from year to year in the past. I wanted to imp- increase my business about 30% over where I was the year before. Didn't happen, but I don't call it a failure because my income was still up because there were certain things that I did that I changed that were because of that goal that ended up making me a better person, a better realtor, and actually made me more skilled in what I do, even though I didn't get that 30% increase. Kendra setting a 2018 goal to sell 22 houses would be stupid. (laughs) Let's just just be real honest. I mean, okay, so great. You knocked your goal out by February. Way to go, Kendra. (laughs) So I think what you're talking about is... You do have to set your goals realistic. Don't don't make it something you know you can do. Right. Don't set yourself up for failure. Don't come in with, I mean, if you've got $250 residual money left over at the end of the month, don't say you're knocking out $40,000 worth of debt this year because the only way you're going to get there is to take that two fifty dollars and play the ponies. <laughs> Chances are you're going to knock out no debt that way. You're going to lose that two fifty. dollars Yeah. <laughs> what I was kind of getting at. And go into more debt. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, long-term goals. Where does real estate fit into this? Where, where is is real estate a short-term, mid-term, or long-term, or could it be any of the three? I think it's a combination of all three. I mean, there there was a saying that Kendra took from yesterday that she was like, you know, you know, we talked about this, and, and I, it, it's one of those things that I want to discuss a little more. And I'm like, that's a long-term goal kind of look at real estate. And the saying was, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. And basically, the point behind that is. Building long-term wealth generally in the United States comes from acquisition and holding long-term of real estate. So that can be a long-term goal of, hey, I want to improve my net worth. One of the best, fastest, easiest ways to do that is purchasing and holding real estate and growing a real estate portfolio. But if it's it's saving for your first home, I mean, that can be very overwhelming for some people. Okay, so, so let's use that. Let, let's run with that for a second. Okay. Saving for your first home. My opinion, short-term goal on that, get educated. Get yeah. educated. First thing you need to do, make a phone call. Make a phone call to a local real estate professional. Let that person guide you to a seasoned mortgage professional. L- sit down and learn. Are you saving 1%? Right. Are you saving no money? Maybe maybe you're a veteran and you didn't realize that the VA loan requires no down payment. Right. Are you do, you do you live in an area that supports a rural community that will qualify for a USDA loan? Oh, that's a... That's a thing here um so 
again, no down payment. Well, the get educated is the big thing because I can't tell you the number of buyers that I work with that absolutely have zero clue on what they have to do or what even is available. Because they think, their parents oh, you have, have drilled to have them. 20% yeah, down. Yeah, their parents have drilled them to make them think. Yeah, you have 20% down. But you don't have to. I mean, even I think Aaron mentioned this in our last podcast that, you know, tax return might be enough mm-hmm. for someone to have for a down payment. So, so, so number one, get educated. That's your short term. If you're looking to buy in 2018, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Your midterm You've met, you've gotten educated, and now you know, okay, based upon my credit score, I qualify for a loan that requires 3.5% down, and I can afford up to $200,000, so I need roughly $7,500 down, whatever the case may be, and you start focusing on the midterm goal of accumulating that down payment flip the script a little bit. Maybe you go in, you meet with the mortgage professional and you're like, Hey, yeah, you're going to qualify for this no down payment program, blah, 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 blah. You run your credit. And all of a sudden what you need to work on in the midterm is maybe you need to do some things to improve yourself. Um, Maybe you need to bring your credit score up. Maybe there's a couple of old debts you didn't realize laying out there that are old medical collections or whatever. And you need to go out and you need to take care of those. So your midterm goal is when you really start building and working towards putting into action the steps that you picked up through your education. Right. And, and honestly, with the whole midterm goal and all that stuff of putting those those steps into action, most people don't realize how much time people actually spend through the buying process, not the actual purchase process, but the buying process of going through finding the home that you want. You know, I tell people all the time, buying a home is a process of elimination, not a process of selection, especially in a limited inventory market like we're dealing with right now. The number of choices that are out there are much lower. So people are spending more time looking for homes than they may have in the past. You know, on average, it used to be a buyer would look at 12 homes over 10 weeks. I mean, that's three months out there spending time looking at properties. Now you may be looking, you know, maybe six months or longer, depending on what you want, just because the number of choices is so much more limited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If, if your situation is more fluid, um, I'm going to use a a very recent transaction. Um, Matter of fact, it should be on your desk, Aaron. Go ahead and clear that up for me here the next day or so. (laughs) Um, Met with a client. Their goal was to purchase in August of this year. They weren't sure, did they want to buy, did they want to build. Um, The reason they wanted to wait until August is they felt like that would put them in the best financial position, but primarily it came down to we have a lease through July. We we talked a little bit. We looked at some new construction. We met with some builders. We looked at some options, and then we um, said, you know what, for comparative purposes, let's go out and let's look at a couple of uh, pre-owned homes right here, right now in today's market. We know you're not looking to buy today, but let's go out and look at a couple and compare. Do you really have to build compared to what you can buy today for the same money pre-owned? Well, lo and behold, one of the pre-owned homes we walk in meets every single checkbox there is. And and that's already been audited, FYI. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Meets every single checkbox there is. So based on his comment, you know what ended up happening. The August timeframe went away. We bought right now. Here's where the fluid piece of this comes in. I made a phone call to the listing agent and I said, here's the situation. We, I told him the whole backstory. We'd kind of been out looking. I said, tell me where your sellers are going. What's, what's their plan? And he said, you know, they don't really know. They kind of think they want to build, but their, their short term plan. Again, here we are talking about your terms. Their short term plan is they're probably going to move to a rental. 
And I said, let me ask you something. I said, if we could come to terms on a deal, do you think there's any chance whatsoever your sellers who we can tell now that we've been in the house clearly have a new baby would be interested in just staying put for three months and renting it back from the new buyers? And he goes, I'd say that'd be something they'd probably be interested in. We did not muddy up the paperwork of the offer with this. We came to terms to buy the house now. But that's ultimately what we've decided to do. My buyers found their dream home before they were really ready. We're going to get through 30 days to get it closed, 30 days of possession. And then at the end of that period, they're going to rent it back for three months. It was a way to go ahead and secure the home my buyers absolutely positively knew was everything they wanted right here, right now, and ensure that they get it in August or July or August when their lease is up. Just because it wasn't advertised that way, just because it wasn't offered that way, a simple pickup of the phone and, and asking a question got us there. When you, when you look at this from a goals perspective, I think being able to look outside the box is really kind of where I'm going with this. Um, Kendra said it a minute ago, you, you no two people get there the same way. Mm-mm. So don't be afraid to look outside the box or if you've got what you think may be a zany or weird idea to accomplish your goal and you run it by somebody and they give you this weird, yeah, right. I bet that'll work. Look, don't be discouraged by that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have, if you would have come to me a year ago and said, Hey Jason, watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to lose all this weight. And guess what? I'm not going to work out at all. I would have given you that same look. And then, eh, he still does. We, <laughs> still don't we know still don't know that we it. believe it entirely. I'm, I'm convinced she's on drugs. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason touched on a lot of good things. I'm thinking outside of the box and knowing everything, getting yourself educated. No, he's talking about people who are in a lease situation. There's also a lot of people who have to sell so. a home before they can purchase a home right now. Um, and, and that's a big thing. Again, we're talking about that limited inventory that we have right now. That's, that's something a lot of people are running into because they're scared to put their home on the market because they may not be able to find something. So that's another thing you got to kind of keep in the back of your mind to prepare yourself and think about before you decide to make a move. Right. And I, I tell my sellers to have more than one plan. There's the plan that you want, that this thing is going <laughs> to work perfectly and go seamlessly. Fall right into play. <laughs> yeah. You're going to find your yeah. dream you're, home. You're going to, you know, the buyer's going to come within 24 hours. It's going to be full price, no concessions, not all this. Now but, you know why Kendra got up and won all the awards. Because she's out here <laughs> promising these things and apparently finding a way to do it. No, but having your sellers, you know, and they don't want to hear it, but there has to be a plan B. And there has to be a plan C. And D through and Z. And D. I was going to say, there, I, um, there's a limitless um, number of additional plans. But but don't don't let your sellers believe that just because it's a seller's market, they can dictate all these things. The goal is still to sell your home. So you still have to, you, you have to be able to change your plan a little bit, but right. still achieve your goal. And I think that's what I was trying to say earlier too, is do you change, are you willing to change some of your ways of getting there to still achieve the goal right and And so i think you need that focus and i think you talked about focus with flexibility yeah focus with flexibility but also with purpose so when we talk about since you've gone into the the foray of selling a home as opposed to buying a home no 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 i agree what what are some things you can do what's your short terms what's your long terms where do you start i think again personally short term starts with getting educated yeah. yeah whether it's your first home or whether it's your fifth home you've sold 
I don't care how many times you've sold a home. It's the first time you've sold a home in this real estate market. Just right. like the last home you sold, that was the first time you sold a home in that real estate market. Well, there's trends that change. There's financing options that weren't the same whenever you were doing it. There's there are regulations that change right. that, exactly. that the common person does not understand. And and I would do this every day, and there's sometimes I don't understand <laughs> Well, it. the contracts change. I mean, yeah. every single year. I've, I've been in real estate over a decade. There's been a new contract every year. I mean, it changes Every single year at a minimum. Yeah. And, and there's a reason why it changes because, because we had to deal with that this year. There was something <laughs> last year that that contract didn't foretell. Yep. When I started in a real estate to purchase agreement was one like really long page. I'm going to call it like the equivalent of two legal pages. It's eight pages now. Yeah. Yep. I mean, so clearly we've run across new situations that needed to be addressed. All the time. All the time. And, you know, not only do you need to get educated, you know, as a seller, you need to get educated on, you know, the specifics on everything involved with that on hiring the right realtor. I think that's something that needs to be happening with your short term where you're finding the right person who's going to market your property the right way that knows the specific things that need to be done to actually get it sold. And, you know, you may talk to a few different people to figure out who's the best fit for you because you might find two people who offer similar services that one you're not going to get along with and you need to know that as well. Even if it's between me and Jason, you go with me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. If you want it sold in 24 hours, go with her. If you, if you don't need to move for two months, I guess you can give me a call. Yeah. <laughs> so after you finish the education process, then you need to start going into the mid-range goals, which in my opinion, with your mid-range on getting your home sold is preparing the home to sell. Yeah. That's getting the paint updated. That's getting any repairs taken care of that you need to. That's making sure that the maintenance that is kind of been deferred that you know you probably should have been taken care of needs to be up to up to snuff before somebody sets foot inside your house. That's when you clean. That's when you declutter. That's when you get your home. And then you clean again. And, and again. then you clean again. <laughs> That's when you get your home magazine ready is what I like to call it. I like that. I, I don't think I've ever used that, but I will absolutely <laughs> yeah, pull that into magazine. my Yeah, magazine. I usually do uh, showing ready and picture ready. And those are two different ra- I don't care if there's dust in the picture. You yeah, can't I can't see right. that. The, the, but the when so show ready, the there better not be dust where someone can write their name in that dust when they leave. That's so. right. <laughs> Well, let's go back to your your repairs. Let's uh, updating, painting, prepping, carpet cleaning. These are um, household maintenance items. These are curb appeal items. These are aesthetic matters and completely cosmetic in nature for the most part. Right. Deferred maintenance items, on the other hand, or potential repairs. Okay, fine. You know you broke the handle on the guest bathroom that nobody uses, and you need to replace that faucet. When was the last time you went under your house, Aaron? <laughs> Unfortunately, last year. <laughs> Kendra, when was the last time you went under Never. your house? <laughs> Kendra, Never. Never. When you get home tonight, I'm going to have you go in, ask Brett to please show you where the crawl space is. I know where is. it is. I stay very clear of it. <laughs> <laughs> Crawl yourself under there and get yourself a good gander at the underside no, of your house. I have been told by people that have gone under there. You can stand up in my crawl space. I've not been told you can stand in it, but you could sit Indian style in it. Nice. Yeah. You you can crawl on all fours in mine. Yeah. <laughs> That's better than slithering on your belly. It is. Well, not much though. You're still in a crawl space. <laughs> okay. So why are we talking about a crawl space? Because we, we don't live in there. You We're don't ta- know what's going on in there. Where are probably the biggest surprises in the inspection? Crawl spaces. Cross. Nine times out of ten, it's in the crawl space. Something in the crawl space. So, yeah. if, Kendra, you so felt the need to crawl through your crawl space today, and it was something as obvious as, say, um, a leak. You mm-hmm. could see water coming out of a pipe. 
you could identify that, right? I would think so. I would hope so. <laughs> could you identify, okay, you're in real estate, so you're a bad example, but <laughs> would you know that it is considered common that there should be a layer of plastic sheeting between yes. the bottom and then your, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You would, but a lot of average homeowners But wouldn't. should it go up the wall? Should there, there be go. insulation in there? Should there Which direction know? should the insulation face? There's a yeah. lot of stuff yeah. that people don't know about. So yeah. how do people find out that? You gotta you gotta find somebody who knows what they're talking about. Again, get educated. Get it kind of goes back to that pre-listing inspection. Pre-listing inspections. Well, let's talk about those. Not very common in our area, to be quite honest. But something that I, I'm kind of pushing a little bit more. I'm pushing it too. I did a couple last year, actually. Um, I think the pre-listing inspection um, it has its absolute benefits, but I think a big part of those benefits are. When sellers take the mindset of, I'm going to do a pre-listing inspection, so therefore I won't have an inspection on my home, that's the wrong mentality. Because, Kendra, if you crawl in your crawl space today and there's no water leak, great, happy for you. But it's averaged two to seven degrees for the last week. So I can crawl in it next Friday, and guess what? There may be a water leak. So... Or when all the snow melts, when we hit 50 degrees over the weekend, there could be a huge influx of water that gets in there. That you didn't see. Right. Or it hasn't, if we're talking the middle of summer, it hasn't rained in a month, but then I crawl in there the day after the rain, same deal. Now all of a sudden there's three inches of standing water in the crawl space. So you can't really go into the mindset of a pre-listing inspection as a way to say, I'm going to avoid an inspection because really and truly, as someone who represents both buyers and sellers, I couldn't recommend that a buyer not not, not at least consider <laughs> it. Now, I mean, if it was done on Monday or two weeks ago, whatever, that's fine. Um, at that point, I might whatever. But for the most part, it's to identify and to inform the seller of something they may not have known that existed. I think a lot of the kind of reluctance to do them in the past, and this is maybe from realtors, it may not be, I don't know for sure, is when you have that knowledge of anything that's wrong with the property, you then have to disclose it or take care of it. And a lot of people think, oh man, if we know that there's these problems and we don't have the money to take care of it right now, then what are we supposed to do about that? My whole thing is you're going to find out eventually anyways. I'd rather know and have the opportunity to fix it. Let's use mold. Mold's a good thing around here. There are buyers who don't realize that the mold remediation techniques used today are pretty effective. Mold is a scary word, and therefore, they may love the house and everything about it, and if their inspector grows in the, goes in the crawl space and comes back out and says, hey, just want to let you know it's not a big deal, but there's a little bit of surface mold in here, they may be done. They're done, right? They want to go. So if a seller knew that to begin with, hey, there's currently a little bit of mold in here. Here's what's causing it. And here's what can be done to treat it and remedy it. And you take all of those steps and you treat it and remedy it. Guess what? It's not going to come up on the inspection because you fixed the problem before it ever, you, you identified the problem and fixed it. Right. Exactly. Or if you don't choose to fix it, I mean, not something like that you wouldn't choose not to do. But I'm just saying if it's, then disclose it. Yeah. Well, sure. It's a psychological impact, though, because people hear mold and they immediately think it's the worst possible thing. Mm -hmm. Because mold, let's be real honest, exists 
everywhere. Everywhere. We're breathing it right now. The problem is, is when it starts to grow and get, you know, out of, out of control. And, or you know, if you're hypersensitive. Or hypersensitive, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, if you're hypersensitive to it and you hear, hey, there's mold, it may not even be a strain that you're actually yeah. allergic to. Yeah. It could be something that would never affect you at all, but because you hear the word mold, you're ready to back out right away. Or you can have somebody say, hey, you know, there was an issue that we already took care of. It's all ready to go. There's nothing you got to worry about. And it sounds like, hey, these people went above and beyond to make sure that their home was pristine before they put it mm-hmm. on the market. And I and I had one like that too, where the buyer just asked for a second test to be done. All right. Air quality test. Sure. Just let's just get another sapling just... three thirty days later and we're good. And it was good. So I mean, but my buyers took I mean my sellers took care of it prior to and by doing the pre listing inspection. So to me it just takes out like why would you if you're planning for this and we're talking about planning, why would you not avoid that obstacle or right. why would you not why would you just let some of those surprises happen there's going to be surprises anyway but why not avoid some of them that you can avoid and well, so in planning ahead of time i think i i tell sellers this all the time whenever i'm sitting down and i'm doing my pre-listing presentation we're talking about the net that they're going to receive we're talking about what to expect in the negotiating process and i always tell them hey we need to be sure that we're ready to work with our inspection contingency I always tell people, you know, around $1,500 is what you should think of on average for repairs. And you know what? They forget that every single time. By the time we're negotiated deal and we go through the inspections, we get all that stuff done, and then they get an inspection response back, and there's stuff that comes up on it that's less than the 1500 I told them to expect. They've forgotten that, and it, I they want me to fix these. I've lived in this house for all this time, and I've never had a problem, and I gave them the price that they wanted on this house, and I can't believe they're asking for anything else. Every time. Yeah. I, Last night, it, I, I we're Snapchat users for those that don't know. <laughs> we have this little group that we Snapchat back and forth in. Um, I sent a Snapchat as I was leaving the office at roughly 11 o'clock last night. Freak. Freak. <laughs> I do work at night. Um, that's last night, taking it off of sellers and onto buyers, I had first-time home buyers. First-time home buyers have never seen an inspection report before. Um, I wanted these first-time buyers before we moved into. We, we've got your offer accepted. You've you've identified the lender you're going with. You've identified the inspector you're going to use. They told me, hey, the appointment's set for this day. It's an inspector that I've I've seen a lot of his inspection reports. I went back through an old file and I pulled out not only his inspection report, his inspection summary, but also. The initial response to inspection and the ending agreed response to inspection. Because, again, inspection reports, and I think we've said this before, homes don't pass or fail. It's an informative report. It gives you information about the property that you're purchasing. But moreover than that, it's going to identify not just the bad. It's going to mention the safety. It's going to mention items that are good. Um, this particular inspector does a really good job of, you know, he'll get to the section of the cooling. He gives an approximate age based upon the, the uh, model sticker. Number. Yeah, model number or whatever on the unit. And, and let me just stick this in, and I will stick this in every podcast we do. We do not always know the age of the furnace no, and the AC. Absolutely not. I get that on open houses and all this. I don't know why our disclosure asks for roof age, but doesn't ask for known age of the HVAC. I have no idea. But anyway, 
We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> I, I can answer that question. The disclosure of the roof age could have an impact on the finance financing ability of the right. buyer who's doing it in the age of the furnace never does. I know. I'm just sure. I'm just telling the general population we don't always know the age of the furnace. And sellers sometimes don't know the age of their furnace. Well, and, and really and truly, that can be tricky as well. Um, I had, I, it's no secret, I flip properties. We've discussed that before. I had an opportunity on a flip home at one time to buy a two-year-old model that had been a floor floor display at the HVAC showroom uh, to show this particular unit. They offered me an unbelievable deal on it. It still had its original warranty, but if you actually opened yeah. the panel it and says. looked at the sticker, it may have said like 2013, and here it is, the end of 2015, and I'm just now installing this unit. It's not a two-year-old unit. Yes, it was manufactured two years ago, and it sat on a showroom floor for two years before it was put in. Mm -hmm. So it's also a little tougher to mm -hmm. um, approximate, the actual, approximate the actual usage and age because the, the age of the metal sitting there in a uh, conditioned showroom, it, it, it's had no impact on it. Uh, the warranty period starts from its installation in its end home. Yeah. So when going through this pre-inspection or this inspection report with these, these first time home buyers last night, um, I wanted them to see the difference between a defect, a safety item and a maintenance item, a potentially you know, prepare, how do they word them? I've seen it. Uh, uh, a budget for, for replacement. Budget, budget, budget for replacement. There you go. Yeah. Um, and I wanted them to see the difference and I wanted them to understand the inspection process a little better. It was a two hour meeting and, and that's probably a little overkill, but these are fairly young first time home buyers. And I wanted to make sure that they knew going in again, this is part of the whole education process that just because this particular outlet may be loose doesn't that a, a loose outlet doesn't warrant a defect and I, and I come up with that one because it was actually in the report um, it's the inspector's job to say hey outlet number two in bedroom three is loose okay so grab a screwdriver and tighten that screw. tighten it up <laughs> I actually had a seller one time follow the inspector and fix things right as he did them that's impressive mm -hmm. That and is then, pretty and impressive. And then the inspector signed off on him while he was still there. I may need to get that inspector's name because that is a patient inspector right there. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, seriously. <laughs> seriously. I want to get that seller's name so I can have him come educate yeah. other people. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, I think there were like two or three things that he couldn't do right then, but he was like, tell me how to do it, and he did it. Yeah. So, impressive. Anyway, kept the deal together. That's what we're about. Yeah. So we, we've got through, obviously, the short term and the midterm on getting a home ready to sell. What would be the long term aspect of what people need to do when they're looking at selling their home? That one's a little trickier, I yeah. think. Long term. Well, patience. Just be patient. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Even though it's a seller's market um, and you've got your plan and you, you know what you want your plan to be, I think it's just having realistic expectations like right now. I mean. I've got a property. We're in the middle of winter. You couldn't get to it if you tried. Right. Um, it's kind of not being shown right now, and it just got to be patient. You got to wait for it. I don't know. What, were you, what are you thinking? You know, the only thing I can really think of is like a long-term seller goal. Obviously, everything on the selling side is more short-term or mid-term. 
Unless, in a perfect world, yeah, it's real it, short term. Right. If Kendra's got it listed, it's 24 hours. I mean, that's long term right there. I just right said I have a listing. You, either one of you could she's go had, out and sell. She's had one that she really wants sold, but you know that snow is the only reason it's still available. That's what I heard her say. Yeah, yeah, let let well. the snow melt and it'll be gone too. I don't so, know. Only if you guys show it. I think I think the long term really comes in, kind of going back to that original long term goal when you're buying real estate, is your exit strategy if you're an investor holding property for a long time yeah do you want to sell off big chunks of multiple houses say you have a lot of rental properties in a portfolio and you want to sell off chunks at a time to get long-term cash or maybe you're kind of a guy like me who wants to set up something that his kids can have one day whenever i'm gone and you know they have something that is continuing to provide them income i think that's really where your long-term goals in real estate for the most part, exist. I think I can actually squeeze another one in here that's maybe a little more practical use. That that's more investor use. I'm thinking more residential. Yeah. You know, a home, right? Um, as opposed to a house. Um, I let's let's go back to these young first time home buyers. Um, married, no children. What good does it do if you need? A second bedroom. They're in a two-bedroom apartment now. And I said, it's just the two of you. What do you need the second bedroom for? Oh, well, I've got a computer desk and my computer and this, that, and the other. And we would go in a house and they'd be like, oh, yeah, I really, really like it. And this is great. And we're walking around. And I'm like, but it's three bedrooms. Yeah, yeah, no, that's plenty. But is it plenty? At the price point they were at, three bedrooms probably would have been a little tough to sell anyway. But three bedrooms is not thinking long term. You can sit here and tell me right now that you're buying your forever home. And if you buy a three-bedroom home as a couple that's been married for two years and in your early 20s, I got news for you. You're buying another home at some point. You're <laughs> you're probably buying two more, maybe three. But definitively, you're not buying your forever home. It, it It's just the reality. Thinking enough ahead, looking at your family dynamic, looking at the last home my wife and I bought was actually our downsize. We'd gone from the 3,800 square foot and we came down because for graduation, the kids were getting luggage. Um, and I know a lot of people think, well, wow, that's and a really horrible truck. gift. Yeah, yeah, no, luggage is, okay, I did my job, you're through school, pack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, we, we decided to come down in size. It, there was no need to keep that much. It, you know, Hey, you only cleaned a thousand or 1500 square foot of the last house. Anyway, what do you say? We just moved down to 1800 square foot and we'll only leave 300 of it dusty. So, <laughs> so. Fair enough. Yeah. That, that's another good long-term thought process because the, the national average length of somebody staying in their house is like 10 years. And that's I, I, up. Honestly, that's actually up. That's quite up a bit. because I honestly thought it was closer to seven. Used to I be it was seven something. Yeah. It, it's it's just for the first time ever closing in about ten years now, and that's well, and that's getting, again because there's nothing to buy because the limited inventory for a well, lot of people. But things are getting more and more expensive, and I don't know if incomes are increasing at the same rate that <clears throat> real estate is. Uh, somewhat. Some do, some, 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 some do. are. I will. I will say we <laughs> not have, the one my husband's in. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's okay, because apparently from the award ceremony, yours is on the rise. <laughs> I would say we've pretty well covered the whole goal setting. First of the year, we've talked about it from a non-real estate perspective and both a real estate perspective. The one thing we didn't ever go back, and I want to go back and start and, and pick up right where we started, the number one most important thing we need to do before you even set out your goals is to identify your what? Why. Your why. Your why. What is identifying a why? Identifying your why is your overarching purpose behind everything you do. 
whatever it is. If it's, I want to lose weight, why do I want to lose weight? Well, because it makes me healthier because I want to fit in that really cool suit I saw that they stop at a size, you know, 40 and I'm a 46, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, Was that a Santa of course, Claus suit? That, that would definitely be a clothes related why for Jason. <laughs> well, now they do make them in 34, which is where I'm at. So I'm, I'm good. I, I can buy the suit now. Um, so I think identifying your why, and, and we talked about it ourselves, amongst ourselves, before we ever started recording today, some of our whys have changed. Yep. Oh, this year, some of us are setting new whys, um, yep. and and that's a long, a why is always going to, in my opinion, be a long-term goal. Your why, because, and it's maybe what I'll call a mega goal, a mega long goal. You may not be able to pull off your why in three years. You know, if you've got two kids getting ready to go in college, your why might be, I need to work really, really hard this year to pay for my kid's college. Well, that's great if your kid's doing a two-year associate program versus a 10-year doctorate program, your goal setting is going to be, be a little, little bit different, different on that. So identifying the have another plan have another plan <laughs> there you go focus with flexibility exactly i think we've covered this pretty well a good topic to start off for for uh the new year this is obviously our second episode of the new year next episode what are we gonna what i, I think we should at least stick to some degree with tony what do you think we should do what what's a thing that happens in february it's love oh yeah valentine's day <laughs> valentine's day so i think in the the next episode let's i'll set focus. these guys straight before then kendra set us straight you come up with some things we can talk about that are, that pull into the whole love <laughs> conversation um can't believe we've been pronouncing it wrong all these years all these years we just needed him to tell us the emphasis is on the v tony we love you okay is there any oh wait a minute you do not get out of a podcast episode without a crazy call. What? We forgot a crazy call. Uh, we didn't forget. We, we just I was got trying started. to get away with that one. You didn't want the crazy call. It's my favorite okay. segment. It's my All favorite right. thing to do. Did you have a crazy call? I try, no, I try to forget them. <laughs> I have one, but it's actually not a quote unquote call. It's an incident. Can we use an incident in place of a call? If it's the one I'm thinking about, she called out to you from across the street. She did, did not? call out to you from across the street. <laughs> I recently listed a property in a neighborhood um, that has, uh, I'll say, a median price range. When I finished signing the listing agreement inside with the seller, um, we, we took a lot of things into consideration. We took time of year into consideration. We took uh, condition of the property into consideration. We took her desire to sell the property in a fairly quick time frame and we did price it a bit below um, what would be considered the uh, median price for the neighborhood with all of these other considerations that we that we put in there one of which of those considerations was that we are selling the home in as is condition um, it wasn't that there's anything wrong with it she lives in it it's in good shape now she just simply is not in a position where she can justify a bunch of inspection repairs um, so she she made the decision that she wanted to offer the home for sale as is so as we're leaving as I do at any listing appointment the last thing I did is I went to the trunk of my vehicle and I pulled out my Tucker T and I went to stick it in the yard and the door across the street opens up and this very sweet little old lady pokes her head out and asks, you selling that house? 
<laughs> to which I did exactly what Aaron just did. And no, I'm just putting the sign in the yard. She has no idea I'm selling it. Yes, ma'am. I'm selling the house. Yes, yes. Okay. I didn't know she was moving. Well, she, yeah, it's it, kind of a recent decision, whatever. And she goes back inside and I'm like, oh, okay. So I finished putting the sign in the ground. Time of year's, you know, ground's frozen. So it took a little longer to get the stakes in. She pokes her head back out and she goes, how much do they want for that house? So I share with her the price tag and she goes, oh, back inside she goes. I now get the sign on and I'm almost to my car and I'm, and I'm honestly moving fast now because I'm, I'm fearing this third step out, which came. She steps out of the house and she goes, sir. And I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, you know, homes in this neighborhood typically sell for, and she rattles off the median price for the neighborhood. So the situation here is that now I, the, the, the very first minute and a half of this listing, I've angered the neighbors with my pricing of the home. Aaron, how, 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 do, how do I address this for sellers that may have a home for sale and a home comes up for sale on the street and they're not happy with the price point? You know, it's a tough subject and it is one that we touch on quite often. Um, and there's no easy way to do it to tell somebody, hey, yeah, I get it. I'm sorry, but this is what the price needs to be. Um, basically, what you got to do is you got to work to explain basically the situation that you explained that you did so well when you're talking about all the considerations that you took when you made the price recommendation for the property. And those considerations that you know materially affect the value of the property, not only because of being in the home and everything else, but you also know that there are certain things that aren't going to be focused on by people down the line when they're looking at that sale of that property. So you got to try to remind people in the neighborhood, hey, you know, I understand your median price is probably higher than this. But because of the things that are going on with this person's situation, the situation of why we're pricing it this way, and the fact that we're putting those nice little two hyphenated as is words yep. in there. It's not actually going to have an impact on the value of your property because anybody who's an appraiser or anybody who's doing a market analysis as a realtor is going to take a look at that and they're going to realize their intention was to sell this at a discount to intentionally generate as much activity as possible on the front end. And I think if you can kind of explain to them that it's not actually going to have an impact on their value and ultimately it's going to entice somebody to come in, make it nicer and actually improve the value of the property, generally they're going to kind of They'll see, understand. They'll see understand. why you did that, yeah. Well, and then Kendra, you and I had a conversation about uh, when when you and I were talking about this particular situation in my neighborhood. I, I live in a subdivision neighborhood, and it just so happened that a home had just come for sale uh, four or five houses up the street from me. Um, I, I noticed when the property went on the market, it was probably what I'm going to say fifteen to eighteen thousand under what I value my home at. First and foremost. I don't live in a cookie cutter neighborhood. All of our homes are a little different. There's two stories, there's one stories, there's one and a half stories, there's corner lots, there's and there's and there's a plethora of different levels of interior finish and amenities. When I see that go on, my gut reaction is, wow, that's that's a little under what I think it should be in this neighborhood. But then I take a look at the pictures and I see, okay the home looks like it did 15 years ago when it, it was, was built, built inside. And I think, okay, so my home, while of similar age, my home is a little bit bigger, not a lot, but a little bit bigger. My home does sit on a quarter lot. Um, the biggest lot in the neighborhood, actually. With a side load uh, garage. With a side load garage. Um, 
And then there are some amenity differences. Um, I've got big ceilings. I've got big moldings. I've got new hardwood floors. You know, there's some things in my home that differentiate. And all of a sudden, can you make up $15,000 in a neighborhood, in the same neighborhood pretty quickly? Absolutely. Just with amenities. So the moral of the story is, or the crazy call or crazy incident as it is, don't, don't get too wound up about a home on your street that's maybe priced a little lower than you think it should be. There are probably extenuating circumstances that, that can be explained, and it doesn't impact your property value as much as you may think. Now, if seven homes on your street of 10 all just sold for 20000 less than you thought, you're the one that was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and that never happens. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, guys, I think I think we've covered everything pretty well today. We're looking forward to getting with you guys more this year. We want to hear what you guys want uh, as far as topics go. We're always talking about stuff that's happening in real estate. We're talking about things in the local area as well as stuff going on all around the state of Indiana. So let us know what you want to hear. Hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Indiana Lifestyles Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Indiana Lifestyles Podcast or on Twitter at IN underscore Lifestyles. Let us know what you guys want to talk about, and we'll look forward to getting back with you. Very cool. Thanks, guys. See you next time.